0: May is the month of Mary, so do Catholics worship Mary? World Day of Prayer for Vocations is May 12th. Are you open to a call to the priesthood of religious life? And would you know it if you heard it? And graduation season is upon us. What does that mean for your child or grandchild? These topics and more, coming up next. Welcome to A View from the Top with Bishop Gregory Parks
1: bishop of the Diocese of St. Petersburg. A view from the top is a candid and hopeful conversation on current events that affect our church, our community, and our country. Now, here's
0: Bishop Parks and the general manager of Spirit FM, John Morris. Bishop Parks, good to see you again.
1: Yeah, great to be with you, John.
0: You've been on the road.
1: I sure have. I uh, just got back. Uh, I was away this past weekend, actually for a very good reason. My uh, favorite niece, she's my only niece, (laughs) 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 just got married this past weekend up in Baltimore. So um, uh, I went up to be with the family uh, for that celebration. And of course, being a bishop, along with my brother, who's a priest, Father Stephen, we both had roles to play in the, in the actual uh, marriage, which took place at a beautiful shrine church, the Shrine of the
0: Sacred Heart. Had you been to that church before? Had
1: never been there before. It's um, a historical church, been there over a hundred years, and it was just beautiful course, you know, it's uh, kind of rare for me as a bishop anymore that I am able to do weddings uh, just because of the demands of my schedule. I generally would only do them for family or very, very close friends. So this was particularly special to be sure. able to, to be involved in uh, my niece's marriage.
0: Do you have to ask permission from the local priest that's at charge of the shrine to celebrate a Mass there? <laughs> no,
1: I, I didn't. Uh, I think they, they probably <laughs> the went base. online and checked to make sure I was a, a valid <laughs> validly ordained bishop. But I did actually send a, a certification of good standing to Archbishop Laurie, who's the Archbishop sure. of Baltimore, just as a courtesy, really, to let him know that I would be in his archdiocese for that family celebration.
0: Do, whenever you travel into other dioceses, do you ever try to visit with the local ordinary there?
1: Oh, I, I certainly would. I, it depends on the... Oh, the occasion. If, sure. You know, John, if I'm on vacation, uh, yeah. probably uh, that wouldn't be at the top of the list sure, of things no. <laughs> to do. But if I was there for a, a business purpose or ministry purpose and the opportunity was available, it's always a courtesy to mm-hmm. to visit with the local bishop and just say hello and uh, see how they're how he's doing in his diocese.
0: When you're out and about in the community, you wear a collar. And it's traditionally known as that is a roman collar that is a catholic priest i know the episcopal church uses it lutheran churches Uh, i'm seeing it now sort of migrate into maybe some of the more non-traditional churches thoughts
1: yeah well uh clerical dress. So uh, typically, Catholic priests would wear black pants with a, a black clerical shirt and the white tab collar. But it, as you said, it is worn by ministers uh, of other denominations of other faiths as well. The reason we do that is we're 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 called really to simplicity of life and wearing a, a basic clothing, you know, rather than spending a, a lot of money on, on clothes to wear just kind of makes sense. But also it identifies us as a, um, a, a person who's a minister or a priest or a bishop in the public. And as such, we give witness. So I, I, think, it's, I think it's a very good thing when priests wear their clerics, uh, wear the collar when they're out in public or even traveling, and religious sisters as well. So it's, a, it's just a witness. And, you know, John, you'd be amazed the number of people that will come up to you because you're wearing the collar right uh they'll ask for a prayer they maybe want to speak to you for a moment they might have a question so it's an opportunity to to minister and to uh to spread the gospel
0: you've gotten free meals out of it too
1: <laughs> I, I, I certainly <laughs> have uh, I, on numerous occasions I have been to restaurants either by myself or, or with a group and uh, uh, it, in fact, it happened here in St. Petersburg right, just recently.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's what I heard. We were out at a place, and uh, somebody offered to to pay our bill for lunch. Yeah. And uh, I was able to find out who it was and just went up and expressed my gratitude, which we should do, you sure. know, just, of course, to say thank you and, and really never deny somebody the opportunity to do something kind for us. Sure.
0: So, Speaking of that, uh, May 12th this weekend is Good Shepherd Sunday. Uh, it's a big day for celebrating our clergy. And we're only a week away from ordaining three men to the priesthood here in our diocese.
1: That's right, John. And uh, of course, Mother's Day is coming up as well. So that's a big celebration uh, in in our families. But yes, Saturday, May 18th, we do have the ordination of three new priests for our diocese here in St. Petersburg. Uh, Always a, a day of joy. You know, I would say in the life of a bishop ordaining new priests to ministry, is really one of the highlights. I mean, it's something I look forward to, and it's just, again, a day of joy and kind of emotional, too, when you think about it, that these men are giving their lives to God and to the service and ministry of his people. And what a beautiful witness that is. You know, you talk about courageously living the gospel, our our vision. It takes courage today, particularly today, for a man to take a different path, to choose a, a, a celibate life, and to give himself completely to God and to the service of his people. So something I'm looking forward to.
0: Now, the, the three gentlemen getting ordained, they're, I believe, younger guys.
1: They are. Uh, the three of them is Father Joshua Hare, soon to be Father Joshua right. Hare, soon to be Father Anthony Astrab, and Father Ralph D'Elia. I don't know their exact ages, but they're all in their 20s or early 30s, mm-hmm. which is great. You know, God calls us at all different times in life. These three young men said yes to his will at a relatively early age, and uh, some of them have been in seminary for quite a while. It's not a quick process. To go through seminary could take anywhere from five to nine years, mm. depending on whether you've already completed college or, or just starting in the seminary when you begin
0: college. Now, you you accepted the call, I'll say, when you were a bit older. When did you first think that, God, is that you calling me? How old were you? Yeah, you know, I,
1: I kind of trace it back to when I was maybe in about second or third grade. Really? Believe so it or not. Like eight? I was 7 or 8 years old. Now, you know, I went to Catholic school and so the pre you know priests were around all the time and became an altar server. My family was always very involved in our parish. Uh, we had friends that were priests that so would come over to the house, come over for dinner on a on a regular basis. Uh, so it was something that I was exposed to and it was encouraged uh, in our family that we consider that. But then I went through a period of time where I didn't really think about it too much and it wasn't until I was out of college, I'd graduated and was working in Tampa, that I really started getting these strong feelings again about maybe God was calling me to be a priest. I had been open to the vocation of marriage and had dated, but it just became apparent to me that that wasn't the the path, that wasn't God's will for me. And so I prayed about it pretty vigorously, strongly, and in the silence of my heart you know, just uh, having a peace about that decision, or at least about willing to give it a try. And so I did.
0: When you were younger, going back to those grade school years, did you ever tell your mom and dad, hey, you know, I wouldn't mind being a priest? <laughs> did share that with
1: them. I did, and even some of our friends, my parents' friends, when we were kids, have recollections of of me saying that I wanted to be a priest. I would celebrate mass, <laughs> kind of hate to say play mass, but right. when you're a kid, you know you you set up a little altar and would do that with my brother, and uh, so that was kind of something we did, which is a, a common you're, you're thing talking about your brother Stephen, younger brother Stephen, okay. yeah. I would celebrate, and he would be my altar server. Okay, so, <laughs> since he was the younger brother. Okay, all right. But uh, but that's a common thing, actually, that a lot of kids do. And and when you talk to to men that become priests, they they've had that experience in their life.
0: So this is going to be an odd question because I've heard that from other kids or, or seminarians that are going to be ordained. Do they sell like play mask kits? Yeah, not. Not really
1: what you would say. Like if you went to a toy store where you would find something I would like think that.
0: Like a, a Catholic bookstore or something.
1: Now, for something called um, Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, which is a catechetical program for young children. Okay. They do offer that as part of the curriculum. So that's right. some of the things that they have available to them to learn about and to actually use. I think, John, I, I just used a, a wine glass and a plate. And, <laughs> and
0: mom was wondering, where did that extra wine glass You go? know, cut
1: some hosts out of a piece of bread and, you know, right, right. <laughs> just went from there. So, uh, But, Joe, you know, I, I do remember um, when I graduated from St. Rose Catholic School up in New York in Massapequa, you remember um, they would have these little autograph books like that your uh, classmates sure. would sign oh, yeah, sure. and write a message of something or right. a yearbook. I remember one of my parents, uh, good friends, wrote in my book that uh, she said, I know one day you'll achieve your goal, which is to become a priest. And that's when I was in eighth grade. So maybe there was something there, (laughs) even at that young
0: age. So you had mentioned when you were older, you started having these strong feelings. How do I know if that's God calling me or this is just something else?
1: Yeah, you know, for me, it was, uh, I think uh, the reality was I was working in business, but I was doing well and by all accounts, making good money and benefits and so forth, but just wasn't real happy. I wasn't fulfilled in my life. And I think that that was what I brought to prayer. And I laid that before the Lord and said, is this what you're calling me to do? Again, the becoming a priest is something I I don't think ever went away. The possibility so I started asking, you know, the Lord, what is your will for my life? For my life, Just tell me what it is and give me the courage and the strength to do it. And it was uh, when I said yes to that and entered the seminary that I began to find the, the fulfillment and the joy and happiness that I had been lacking.
0: So when you felt like, okay, this is God calling me, did you go to your local pastor? Did you go to the pastor at Christ the King and say hey, I'm having this deal, or did you call the vocations office?
1: Sure. You you talk to parish priests. Uh, you also um, meet with a vocation director at the diocese. Um, even though I was living in, here in Tampa, but my family was in Orlando, and I had— spent a good number of years in the Orlando diocese before moving to Tampa. So that's where I went to seek Mm -hmm. to enter seminary um, for them to sponsor me was in Orlando. But yeah, you talk to the vocation director, tell them what's going on and why you believe you think you might have a vocation, and um, it just progresses from there.
0: I know that there's probably somebody listening right now that's had those same feelings. That's why I'm asking you those kind of personal questions, because you know they're going through the same thing. And, yeah. and it takes a little bit of courage to make a phone call or, or arrange a meeting. You know,
1: John, also a great blessing for me was my family. My parents always had a love for the church and for the priesthood, and they encouraged us to consider vocations. I I wonder today how many families actually speak to their children about becoming priests or sisters and let them know that if that's what God's calling them to, Uh, that they'd be very, very happy. I mean, parents want their children to be happy, right? That's what parents want. And if that is being a priest, then hopefully families, parents in particular, will support that.
0: Well, and that's the hard part is parents have this dream when their kids are born that they're going to watch them graduate, watch them walk down the aisle, provide grandchildren, all of that. And that dream kind of changes a little bit when the child says, I want to do this, I think God's calling me to do this, and suddenly there's this fear, and it, and it can be expressed in, in ways that, you know, you, you don't really want to approach.
1: Yeah, I knew a, um, a seminarian who actually uh, came from a, a family that was Jewish, mm. and uh, I remember he shared his story with me, and he said, you know, when I converted to Christianity, when I became Catholic, you know, that was a very, very difficult point in my relationship with my family. They just couldn't understand it. And he said, when I told them that I was going to become a priest, a Catholic priest, he says, I think in their eyes I died. Mm. I mean, that's ultimately making a sacrifice to follow God's will, even at the um, expense or the sacrifice of losing your family.
0: It's a great weekend that we're going to be celebrating on the 18th, three men coming into the priesthood. As I mentioned, I know there may be someone listening if If they want to get in touch with a vocations office, I know we have a website available at dosp dot org and just uh, type in vocations. You'll see the office and you can get a hold of the, well, right now, Father Carl, but soon to be uh, (laughs) Father Father Chuck.
1: Yeah, just uh, that was one of the recent appointments was uh, Father Chuck Dornquist, who for the last three years has been serving at St. Lawrence Parish in Tampa, will be our new director of vocation. So he'll be full time. And uh, one of the blessings with Father Chuck is that he is bilingual. So he is fluent in Spanish, and uh, that's going to be, I think, a great blessing that will yield fruit in terms of vocations for our diocese.
0: We also know that that May is a month of Mary, and we have a Marian Congress that will be coming up actually tomorrow when this airs on May 11th, uh, a big celebration at the cathedral. Why does the church designate May as a month of Mary?
1: The church recognizes the significant role that Mary, our Blessed Mother, played in salvation history. I mean, after all, she gave her yes to God's will, uh, even when it didn't make a lot of sense (laughs) of how that that would happen, that she was being asked to bring forth to bear the Savior of the world uh, in her womb. But yet she gave herself to God's will. And so May is a month that we specifically dedicate to our Blessed Mother. It's a month when we also celebrate Mother's Day, as I mentioned a Mm -hmm. little bit earlier. And it's appropriate that that we give special recognition and honor to Mary for what she's done for us.
0: Now, I'm going to kind of go on the other side of the coin here. We say it was Mary's yes, but in the fulfillment of salvation, Mary had to say yes, but what if What if she said no? Would God have gone to—and now we don't know the mind of God, of course—would he have gone to someone else and said, will you say yes?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a question I can't answer, John. (laughs) Hypothetical. But what I would say, because that is a question that people ask, is did Mary have free will? Could she have said no?
0: <laughs> Can you give me a minute to the, to, the,
1: to the angel, you know, when the angel came and delivered that message? But what we believe, of course, is that Mary was conceived herself without original sin, right? So the Immaculate Conception, she was conceived without original sin. So our understanding and our belief is that there was nothing that was within her that would be opposed to doing God's will. You know, sometimes when we fight God's will or we struggle with doing his will, it's because of sinfulness or because of our own selfish desires, whereas Mary, not even having original sin within her, being pure, uh, that there was nothing within her that would oppose God's will, or really there'd be no reason for her not to say yes, though certainly we believe she had free will. There was just nothing there to have her oppose God's will.
0: You know, when I look back, and it's only been a, a month or so since we've gone through the Lenten and Easter season, and I, th- I think sometimes about Judas, too, that somebody had to be the one to betray Christ, and he's carried that mantle, but somebody was going to do it in order for salvation to be fulfilled. Right,
1: correct. Again, uh, Judas had free will. You, know, you could say, well, the circumstances that he was presented with, but he freely chose to do what he did, which was to betray the Lord. So, yeah, I mean, we always, that's why we need to, to John, to, to keep a clear conscience so that when we are struggling with those issues or those temptations to to go against God's will or to go against his commandments, uh, that we have the strength to, uh, to resist.
0: And I think that's where the devotion to the rosary and prayers to Mary to intercede on our behalf when we are in times of trouble.
1: Yeah, you know, we definitely look to Mary as a, a great intercessor for us. As you remember, we just celebrated Easter, and part of that was the passion. And you remember the the scene, Golgotha, you know, when um, Mary's at the foot of the cross, and, and Jesus says to John, behold your mother, and to Mary, behold your son. And we, we see in that interaction and that action uh, that, that Mary is given to the church as our mother and our spiritual mother, and so we should honor her just as we do our own mother's.
0: But it's different than worshiping.
1: Yeah, it sure is. That's a an, another um, mistake or mis- misconception that people often have about the Catholic faith is the type of worship, so to speak, uh, or reverence that we have for Mary. We we don't worship Mary or offer her worship in the same way that we do to God. There's a particular type of worship. It's called latria, which is reserved for God alone because of him being God. But the church does have a uh, profound respect for Mary. And, and again, it's because of the role she played in salvation history.
0: And I think that's where some of the confusion lies for some of our non-Catholic brothers and sisters is that they'll see people kneeling in front of the statue of Mary praying. And so therefore, the idea of worshiping Mary, or the, and we use the term Mary, mother of God. Well, if she's the mother of God and we have God, then She must be above God. That's some of that thinking that goes on, but that may be a little faulty.
1: Yeah, no, I I think it definitely is. And, you know, statues uh, or images, uh, paintings, art, religious art, we don't worship the statue, you know. (laughs) Right. But the, the, the work of art or the statue is meant to help us to enter into the mysteries of our faith and to feel a closeness with those who are our spiritual family. Right. Uh, which are the saints. You know, when I was uh, with my family this past weekend, one of my relatives brought some old, old pictures. I mean, John, some things probably from the 70s. This well, is okay. when you still had to go to the Walgreens or to, <laughs> oh, yeah, to get sure, them sure. developed and then you go pick looked, They uh, had
0: an t- orange hue about everything. <laughs> do you remember
1: they used to have photo mats? I oh, don't yeah, know if they sure. had them down here in yeah, Florida yeah, or not, but, absolutely. but uh, you used to have to drop off your film sure. and then go pick it up. you know. So anyway, in fact, they handed me a a little packet of these pictures and I said, what's that? And they said, oh, these are some old photos. I said, I haven't seen anything like this in a long time. Wow. but, But my point is simply that when you look at a photograph of a family member, and there were some there, my parents and brothers when we were younger, when we were young children and other relatives, grandparents, just looking at the photograph kind of evokes emotion maybe a feeling of closeness with them. Mm. And and that's why we have statues or images of the saints, not to worship the image, but rather to uh, enter into the mystery and to be close to our spiritual family. Sure, sure.
0: Graduation season. It started really late April, early May with college graduation. St. Leo had theirs. University of South Florida had theirs. I saw you with the baccalaureate ceremony. And, And then coming up later this month, You're gonna be probably at quite a few of these, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, so uh, already the universities have pretty much finished and uh, now we're getting into the uh, high school graduation uh, season. And we have a number of Catholic high schools here in our diocese. We're very blessed in that way. And as bishop, you're asked often to celebrate a baccalaureate mass, which is separate from the actual graduation. You're not handing out diplomas there, but uh, it's a spiritual celebration and, and marking that milestone. Uh, but it's an opportunity for me as the bishop to share some thoughts with the young people as they reach this milestone in their life. and. Generally, what I the message I try to give them is to remember the gift that they have received in, in receiving a Catholic education, and to use that gift as they go forward to discern God's will and to give glory to him. And just never forget where they came from. Always remember their roots uh, here at these Catholic high schools, and again, use that great gift for the good of others.
0: Changed gears now. The diocese has just launched a program where there's 10 parishes in Pinellas County that are hosting mental health. They have mental health counselors. So if anybody's got any issues like that, you can reach out to the various parishes. And I know that there's something that was just published or is coming out in the local Tampa Bay Times, I think, coming up.
1: Sure, so that was part of our vision, Courageously Living the Gospel. Each deanery, or a grouping of parishes, was asked to come up with an initiative in which they would all work together to meet some need in the community. So that particular deanery that you're speaking about, which is in northern Pinellas County, the parish has decided that that's what was needed there, was to, to offer greater opportunities for counseling. And so they joined together to make that happen. And as you said, there'll be a story coming up shortly in the uh, Tampa Bay Times.
0: And, and this is not for the extreme like suicide, although that's available, but family counseling, all kinds of things that'll be coming out a little more Keep your eye on the DOSP website, dosp.org. We'll be having uh, more information as that ministry continues to grow. Bishop Parks, can we uh, close with a blessing as we continue in the month of May?
1: God, our Father, we ask your blessing upon each one of us, and particularly during this month, we ask your blessing upon our mothers, upon our moms. Uh, We just give thanks for the gift of them and ask that you may bless them with your love and with your peace. We ask all of these things through the intercession of Mary, our Blessed Mother, and our Spiritual Mother. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more with Bishop Parks, including past programs, his social media accounts, and ways to subscribe to this podcast, visit dosp.org bishop. A View from the Top is a production of Spirit FM 90.5 and the Communications Office of the Catholic Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is made possible by the annual Pastoral Appeal and listeners like you. Thank you for your support.